Uh, welcome back to Key Messianic Prophecies, a podcast brought to you by Telios, a private 501c3 nonprofit foundation dedicated to the research and accurate teaching of the Bible, founded by Bill and Jeanette Stewart. On this episode, we will continue our look at Messianic prophecy and the Psalms with Psalm 8. So, Psalm 8 is almost uh, deceptively simple because it appears at first glance to be just this straightforward expression of praise. Uh, but things get a little more interesting when we realize that Paul and the writer of Hebrews assign this psalm pretty serious messianic significance. Uh, and in light of that, uh, scholars sometimes want to go in one of two directions. Uh, they either want to say, uh, one, that the New Testament writers are making an illegitimate interpretive move. Uh, in other words, it's the messianic language is not in the psalm at all. Or two, this messianic interpretation can only be seen looking back uh, from the old, uh, looking back on the Old Testament from the perspective of the New Testament, uh, basically saying, well, if they hadn't pointed it out, we never would have seen it. Uh, being that the Bereans are commended in Acts 17 for holding uh, the apostolic teaching up against uh, the Old Testament to ensure uh, that the apostles and their teachings uh, didn't deviate from the Old Testament, it would seem to suggest that the New Testament writers uh, are, are not making any kind of illegitimate uh, interpretive move uh, by reading the Messiah back into the Old Testament text. In fact, that, that they're very concerned about not doing that. Uh, as for the assertion that the in interpretation of Psalm 8 as being uh, messianic only uh, insofar as the New Testament can recognize it, well... This entire series of podcasts has more or less been dedicated to tracing the development of Messianic prophecy throughout the Old Testament. I think we've seen pretty clearly that the Messiah's uh, eventual role is pretty significant to the Old Testament up to this point, uh, and there is clearly an Old Testament Messianic expectation, and it runs all throughout the Psalms as well. So the first four verses of Psalm 8 focus on the Lord's magnificent power as displayed through his act of creation. Verse 4 introduces the language of the Son of Man, and verses 5 and 6 in the very heart of the psalm is where we find the key messianic language. Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You have him rule over the works of your hands. You have put everything under his feet. Now to keep this in the context of the Psalter, remember that Psalm 2 introduced the idea of the rebellious nations who conspire against the Lord and his chosen. And here in Psalm 8, we find these enemies will be silenced by the mouths of children and infants. And one son of man uh, who uh, is going to be elevated above the rest of creation is himself not identical to the Father. Uh, and this is the one under whose feet creation is subjected, and the Father, the one responsible for creation, sets the Son of Man above creation. So, in this psalm, we find uh, one who is a son of Adam, a man, but who is different from Adam and every other son of Adam. Uh, this son of man will succeed where all others failed, sustaining the image of God and the divine appointment to rule, whereas Adam allowed the image to be marred through the rejection of rule. So, we go through the biblical story looking for this one who is not quite identical to the Father, the one responsible for creation, but who is very much like the Father in being above creation, a man for whom the Father has the highest regard. Now, 
the New Testament will recognize this man as Jesus uh, of Nazareth. And Paul himself is going to return to this psalm in 1 Corinthians 15 in order to explain uh, the order of resurrection in light of Christ and who he is. And it's in 1527 where he explicitly shows how the Father sets Christ above all things except himself, so that he, that is the Father, might work through the Son to reconcile all things to himself. Uh, and this passage actually turns out to be absolutely critical for understanding the purpose and function of the Son in God's unfolding plan of redemption. The Father works through the Son to reconcile creation to himself, and the Son willingly subjects himself to the Father's will, a little lower than the Father, uh, in order to redeem creation. Uh, this doesn't mean that the Son is not God. It does not mean that Christ uh, does not have uh, the same uh, level of honor and respect and is certainly handed the right to rule uh, as much as the Father. The, the difference uh, is just that the Son subjects himself to the Father uh, for the purpose of redeeming creation. This is not a question of essence, uh, and it doesn't run against, as some like to assert, uh, what we might call orthodox teaching, uh, where Christ is essentially, Jesus is the Son, essentially recognized as being one in essence with the Father. Uh, but he clearly has a different function in what he's doing, and that's what Paul is, is developing in 1 Corinthians, and he's getting it straight from the Old Testament. So, thank you for joining us for this episode of Key Messianic Prophecies. Uh, next episode, we will continue looking at Messianic prophecy in the Psalms with Psalm 16.